Welcome back, podcast listeners. This is the We Know Ball podcast. Today, we are teaming up with Underdog Fantasy to bring you guys an amazing deal. If you go ahead and sign up using their mobile app or their website, and you use code WKB when you sign up, they will give you a deposit match of up to $100. That is an amazing deal. So take advantage of it while you can. Sign up, use code WKB, and get on to Welcome some back, daily fantasy. Welcome to a new episode of the We Know Ball podcast. It's been a while. We haven't talked about anything since we got our ass kicked by the Mavs. But we got a special guest on today, Yusuf, Thunder Film Room. What's up, man? Thanks for coming back on. What's up, guys? I appreciate y'all having me. Yeah, I appreciate I'm you coming excited. back on. Uh, quick reactions, Yosef. Uh, your reaction when the Thunder got the second pick. Oh, dude. I was, I mean, I was jumping around my house like... <laughs> I gave my mom the biggest high five that like I could have popped her shoulder out of place. Like she was like holding your hand for five minutes. Um, I was really like the second we, I, cause statistically we had the highest chance of getting six. So when I saw it wasn't six, I was like, okay. Then it wasn't five. And then I was just holding my breath that it's not four. Cause I was honestly just happy with any top three pick. Um, and then after that, it was just started jumping around running throughout the house. You know, it was a pretty good week. I know we're um, we're a little behind on uh, this whole draft lottery thing because that was like a week ago at this point. Um, we kind of we did take a little break from uh, from recording for a while there, but uh, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, the Orlando Magic did end up with the first pick, which I think is really good for the league, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm really glad that yeah. it went to like a small market team. I guess I should say Isn't Orlando's this... kind of a small market, right? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, but isn't say. this their like fifth or sixth first overall pick in the last like twenty years? Something like that. I mean, they had Shaq, they had Dwight, uh, they had Penny Hardaway. I was gonna say Penny. Um, there was another one. I can't. I could not tell you. That's all I, I saw got a post the, about it, but I wasn't looking too into it. But yeah, but uh, yeah, draft lottery. But the one. We'll we'll talk a little more about that later. The big topic that I want to cover first is uh is the one that all of Suns Twitter has been talking about ever since Game Seven, and that is what the hell are the Suns going to do with DeAndre Ayton? It's a huge topic, man, and everybody has a different opinion about it. Yeah, everybody. It's it's so hard to me. I don't even know. I don't know. After all this news has came out with everything that's happened, it's. I, I've definitely my opinion has been swayed over a little bit about keeping him. I don't know. So before we, I want to hear from Joseph about um, like what from the outside perspective, like what does this look like to you? Like, do, do the Suns just look like a shit show to you guys right now? Like, you know, it's funny. I was literally about to say it was. It looks <laughs> like a shit show because, like, I understand not wanting to pay him the max, especially like how everything played out this past year. Like, I'm a big believer in, like, if you're contending for a championship, then, like, you have to overpay. Um, and, like, you know people are going to be clamoring to pay him. And, like, as of right now, I don't see a clear path that, like, a, tr- a sign and trade makes them better. Or even maybe maintains that level. Like, it would have to be, like, I mean, the one with Indiana that I saw a few weeks ago, like, for Miles Turner is, like, interesting, in my opinion. Because, like, you can probably get a second guy there. Um, but like the DA question marks are also like kind of worrisome, you know, like I saw, uh, someone from the, I think it was called the timeline podcast. I forgot which one of them tweeted. They're like, if he didn't have his like gaming laptop, he'd be like, (laughs) I think that was Sam. (laughs) And it's like, it's an interesting thing because like you see CP at his age right now. And it's like, if you don't get the quality return on a DA sign and trade, like, you're kind of almost like I don't want to say closing your championship window, but like you're very much flirting with that line. And it's just one of those things like it's so hard because like three months ago you're like, this isn't even a question, right? So it's also like how much do you how much value do you place on this like that pretty much those five bad games that happened uh against the Mavs. I mean it wasn't even the first round wasn't the prettiest, but like New Orleans was a pretty decent matchup. Right. Um it was it's just 
it's like one of those things where like if you run the simulation a hundred times this is probably the worst possible outcome um so it's, <laughs> so it's just like it's really just like how much value are you going to place on this and what are the offers looking like because i think if if they just like let him walk like don't match an offer sheet like that that would be the most asinine thing i think i would have seen in the past few years that'd be the worst i i genuinely <clears throat> yeah. don't think that's going to happen i think that was it Woj who was on espn or sports center and he was like phoenix is prepared to match an offer but they're something like then start talking about the sign and trade thing. So I don't think James Jones is dumb enough to not match. No, there's it no chance. Yeah. Him. But you never know. Well, there, I saw some reports that he wasn't happy. And my thing is like, obviously I want to bring him back. You know, he's like top, top seven center or whatever. But it's like, if he doesn't want to play here, I don't want to keep him. You know what I mean? I don't want to force him to play here if he doesn't want to. So that, at that point you do the sign and trade. I don't think they'll let him walk. That just seems a little unreasonable. I an an opinion like how do I say this without like I'm I'd give up Chris Paul before I traded DeAndre Ayton personally. Yeah, me too. I agree. Yeah. Which I feel like if you put that out on Twitter, people would come for your head. Like the CP3 homers <laughs> would absolutely kill you, and they'd be like, "Oh, you never went to the fight." Like, bro, Chris Paul, man. They're going to be 38 years old next playoffs. He's he's just not he's not a second option anymore. He's not. He's just not like yeah. I think I think that year in OKC was probably his last season being like elite elite. I would like last season. I'd say he was like elite. Like he was probably like top five point guard last season, but this season. During the season, yes, he was a fantastic, but he's really started to show his age. And like you said, Joseph, I don't know how much stock you want to put into just like five games, but the unfortunate reality is, is those were the last five games and those were the five most important games of our season, it turns out. So, and nobody showed up. Not a single person on the team showed up for the five no, most I, important games. I agree. And like... I love Monty Williams, but like I don't think he showed up either. Like I think Jason Kidd outcoached him. Yeah. And like I know a oh, lot of people sure. kept kept talking about like uh this is why you shouldn't have stood pad during the trade deadline. You should have traded for Eric Gordon, blah 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 blah. But like I don't even know if that would have helped in the way those no. last five games played out. Like the way Dallas was switching, they were late blitzing on CP, they completely took away the mid-range, didn't let him like snake the pick and roll for that elbow jumper. I saw a stat on Twitter that was like, in those last five games, CP got nine mid-range shots at the elbow. That's insane. Which is like, that is, it's, that's mind-blowing. And like, JJ Redick was talking about on ESPN, I don't know how true this is because I haven't like went and looked back at the games, uh, but like, the Suns do have the worst shot portfolio in the league. Like they're bottom five and or bottom ten in shots at the rim, and they're bottom ten at three pointers attempted. Which like don't get me wrong, like that's that was the same thing with the CP OKC year where like they loved the mid range and they forced teams to pay when they were shooting it. But like the second the team takes away the mid range, like you have to be able to adapt, yep. and they just couldn't do that. Um, which is kind of the worrisome part, especially with CP. Like they were forcing him left, and like he just really like that was the first time I've ever watched. And I'm like, whoa, he really just there's nothing he can do. Like they have him in jail and it's just one of those things that just like, I don't, I tweeted about this and like, I know when I was on last time I told you guys, like I, I was rooting for the Suns this year. Like I have to watch the goddamn Golden State Warriors make the finals because they <laughs> wanted to just, you know, like I was, but there was a, there was a part of me that like the Suns in the playoffs, I feel like there was a level of like arrogance that reached the team. Like, and I I, I'm like a big person that like, arrogance is just de it's it's gonna lead to failure every time uh it's just one of those things where like they were giving i tweeted i said like they get they were giving me like the rich <clears throat> private school vibe you know and it's just one of those things where it's like you you can't get like that because the second like you give anyone else bulletin board material or anything like that they're gonna come for your head and i think that's exactly especially what happened in the maverick series yeah really? i i agree i think it's like Last, the biggest difference that I've noticed with the Suns this playoffs and last year's playoffs was that the, that chip on their shoulder, that like competitive fire to like prove themselves. That they had that 
last season and I'll give you guys the injuries. Like, fine. Last season, there were injuries. Whatever. It happens. It doesn't change the fact that the Suns still just were trying harder last season. And, and I think it was better for us as fans, too, because we went from missing the playoffs by a game uh, in the bubble to the two seed in a season, which I don't know how many times that's happened in, like, NBA history. Usually you go from, like, you miss the playoffs, then you're like a seventh seed, and then you ascend. Um, but it was it was crazy because we went into last year's playoffs not knowing like what to expect. We we're like, okay, like last season was kind of our like, oh, we're just happy to be here. Right. I thought we were gonna lose to the Lakers. I I was <laughs> I was not gonna be upset if we lost to the Lakers. Yeah. I was like, damn. Well, we got LeBron first round. I mean, shit. If we lose to LeBron, like they just want a chip. Like that <laughs> happens. And now then, during this era, our expectation will always be to go back to the finals. Yeah, that's what sucks. that was the it downside because you 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 beat you beat LeBron in the first round, you sweep the Nuggets in the second round, you win the Western Conference Finals, you go to the finals, and that becomes the expectation. People thought, I guarantee you, and I don't know if anyone will admit to this now, but I guarantee you, after we beat the Pelicans in six, I promise you, everybody thought we were going to sweep the Mavs. Everyone was yeah. like, oh, it's going to be exactly the same as last year. No. <laughs> and then that's where that entitlement comes from. And then, you know, we saw the disaster struck. Yeah. Expectations are the worst. Mm -hmm. That's what, like, I try to tell Thunder fans, like, the ones that were, like, upset after we traded CP after that playoff run. It's like, this that one season was fun because we came in with no expectations. The second you add expectations to everything, it's not enjoyable. Like, the playoffs, when there's expectations, is the most miserable thing in the world. Like, the last two years, I've just watched the playoffs and was like, God, I'm so stress-free. Like, <laughs> yes. so whenever you, like, like having, ex which don't get me wrong, like, it's exciting to have expectations, but it's stressful. And it's also can create, like, a very toxic environment amongst fans. And I think we've seen that, like, I'm not going to say any names, but there's, like, been a few Suns fans that'll just pop up uh, on my TL. I think it's drop like, all I'll the see time, one of you. don't worry. <laughs> yeah, you can name drop. It's okay, man. That, that I, I don't know his like full name. I think it's like Lizus or Andrew Lizus. Ah, dog. Uh, uh, his tweets will just pop up on my tail, and I'm just like, God. So what? about you him, must be watching two different basketball games. About like, him, I was on that same boat where I was like, I, there was a point in time where I was like so annoyed by what he would say. But we had Keese on, Keese on the episode, and he told he t he's just a big troll, I guess, is what Andrew is. He's just a big he trolls t like makes troll tweets on purpose to to get under people's skin. So once I once I realized that, I was just like I just kind of ignored it. But yeah, he's a he's a big troll. <laughs> it gets interaction, so yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on the hustle. Yeah. One thing yeah, I wanted I mean... to talk about because. I tweeted this the other day, and I think you replied to it, Isaac. About we gotta talk, start talking about Monty, about if he's a oh, championship yeah. coach. Because if we just look back at these last two playoffs, he got, let's see, he got out coached by Ty, uh, Tyron Luke against the Clippers, got out coached against. Uh, Mike Budenholzer, Mike, who's Mike a terrible coach. And then also Willie Green. Oh my God, we—he got out coached by Budenholzer, bro. Like that should have been our first. That should have been our first red flag. Right. Then, then we go against. He gets out coached by his old assistant coach, Willie Green, and then just got out coached by Jason Kidd. Four straight playoff series. If you think about it, I mean, he just doesn't know how to make adjustments. That's the biggest. He's a great guy, great players coach. But when it comes to like the X's and O's, he's not too great at it. I almost feel like Monty would be better off as an assistant coach. Honestly, yeah. but and and, like it's like it worked. It worked. Oh, something uh -oh. happened to TFR. Oh, he's back. There he goes. Picked me up for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I remember you said it's storming there, so uh, it's all right. So the reason that not making adjustments worked for Mike Budenholzer, or works. Because he has Giannis on his team. Giannis. Like, yeah. We don't have that. <clears throat> you have to make And he has playoff. He had playoff Middleton, bro. Right. I and have like, Middleton. <laughs> you can't not just rely. We can't just, like, the whole campaign thing where he let campaign. It took him till, what, 
game four of yeah when did he stop when did he stop playing campaign was it in the pelican series i think it was like i think it was it had to have been game six then if anything um, I'm gonna. I thought it was look... the Maverick series. I was gonna I'm say gonna game. Through, uh... I was gonna say game three or four of the Maverick series is when. Yeah, yeah I, I could have uh... sworn it was the Mav series, but maybe I'm, I'm gonna... thinking wrong. I'm looking through his game log. I mean, okay, he played. He stopped getting minutes in game five of the Mav series. That okay. is tragic, dude. So he just had what nine, ten straight games of sh- shitty play. Yeah. At that point, yeah. you got a ten. You know, and like right up games. people like because Landry Shamit wasn't having terrible a terrible playoffs. Like it wasn't terrible like that. He actually like that's why he got minutes after campaign stopped playing or like start playing Aaron Holiday or yeah. Tor- I can't believe Aaron Holiday didn't play a single minute until or like garbage time. Tory Craig, like he could have been a body on Luca or something. Just something we needed something Craig, i was fine with i was cool with craig not playing he was a negative but we needed to switch sides. something up we needed to switch something up. yeah yeah like I, we started we started uh trying to double double team luca and help on luca every time and just leave everybody open which is just like you're not gonna win against a team that shoots from three like that yeah i don't know why we went away from that defensive scheme that worked so well in the first two games but uh, we let's let's move on from this Mav series. We've already had every conversation that's possibly <laughs> that you can possibly have about this series. I wanna I wanna shift focus and and kind of get back to DA. Um, my obviously the ideal scenario for DA is that the Suns keep him and find a trade somewhere else for another shot creator. Unfortunately, that's probably not gonna happen. I yeah. think DA is pretty much as good as gone. There's like less. I think there's probably like a five percent chance he plays for the Suns next season. Right. So, ideally, I would love a Siakam trade myself. Yeah, I, I really think, like that. The Siakam yeah. trade. I think. I kind of think you could get it done. I'm not gonna like throw out a package or anything, but I think there's something there that you could do. It fits um, their timeline too. It just fits their their oldest player would be. Fred Van Vliet. Uh, and, Van Vliet, yeah. Is that Young now on there? Thad Young? But he doesn't, I think he's a, isn't he a free agent this year. I don't know. I have no clue. I think he went to Toronto. But, like, either way. Yeah. when He is on Toronto, but... Fred Van Vliet is 27, and that's your oldest player. And it just fits their, their roster construction because yeah. they have, like, so many forwards. And now you have OG and Scotty. And I think Aiton would fit right, right in there. Yeah. Uh... But that's a Joseph. I mean, is that crazy to think? I mean, I know some my fans t- tend to uh, overvalue some of their their assets and trades and undervalue other players. So, I mean, is that like, are we crazy here, or do you think that's something that's that's doable? I don't want to say crazy, but I don't think it's doable. Like Siakam had a borderline All NBA season this past year, and if Raptor fans were listening to this pod. Guys, they they <laughs> might come from that. that fan base is that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> but it, it's difficult, especially in sign and trade scenarios. You rarely get a player that's just as good back, but then especially super rarely do you get a better player back. Um, yeah. So I just I don't think it happens. Like I think because I did see a report that like Toronto may be interested. Like I think Toronto's looking at it as like how can we get him without giving up Siakam. Uh-huh. to pair those two which then in that sense it makes no sense for phoenix um and that's why i just think like as you guys said like you think he's good as gone i do too it's like it's it's a crappy situation and i think that's why you always try to keep everything like keep it as far away possible as from becoming toxic and like that's what's clearly like looks like it's happened with what his agent released and then like Monty saying they haven't talked after the game and da never i don't think he did his exit interviews and like everything and like don't be wrong we've seen crazy stuff happen where like relationships can get fixed and like if the relationship is good between like the players and Aiton, like maybe they can convince him to come back because obviously at the end of the day you guys said it i agree with you like you're not just gonna let him walk because you don't want to match something like sarver's in this position where like if he didn't match and just lost him for nothing like you're you're losing i think at that point you're losing the fan base um because while yes you're overpaying like you just don't you don't let talent walk for free, and that's a very, very, very good talent and a young talent. 
Um, Especially one that so you use the this... first pick on. Exactly. One <laughs> that you, you use the first pick on and an all-time great you passed up on. And, like, in hindsight... Who just like, beat you. Time, yeah, so it's just, like, when you consider all those things in there, and, like, that's obviously very much nitpicking. Like, Aiton's a good player. It's not like they picked Marvin Bagley or anything. But, like, it's... You just can't let a talent like that, especially a first-round pick, just walk. Especially after you just pretty much wasted a top 10 pick or top 11 pick on Jalen Smith, what, two years ago now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just... Yeah. I think it, the most realistic... Oh, go on, go on. I was just saying, they're, they're in a tough spot because, as you said, like, with the CP3 not being the second option, and, like, you... If you're not going to have the best player in the series you need to have, like, a top three really good players. And, like, I'm a big book believer, but, like, we just saw how good Luka is because, like, how much better he was than anyone else on the court in this past series. And, like, any time the, the opposing team has the better player, it automatically gives them a really good chance. Yeah. yeah. I think so the most realistic one that we, were, like, we saw was, like, the Pacers one. Obviously, like, you downgrade with Miles Turner. And then whatever else we get, you know, sixth pick. I saw some people saying Chris Dorte. I don't think they would they I don't think they would trade Chris Dorte to us because they just drafted him. Uh there's I've no really like of, realistic options. I've seen a lot of Buddy Healed with uh, Yeah, Miles Buddy Healed. Yeah, Is he on the Pacers like, now? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See that I think that'd be a good trade. That'd probably I, be yeah. fine. And here's my thing, and um Suns fans are some of the most reactionary fans I've ever seen. Like, they take, especially on Twitter, man, and no, this is not like a, like, I love my Suns fans out there. Like, I love the Suns community, but they take everything at face value. They read it, and then they don't think about it at all. They just see it, and they're like, this is what's happening. So they see, like, oh, the Patriots will trade the sixth pick for DeAndre Ayton, and then they're just immediately the thought is like, oh, why are we going to trade DeAndre Ayton for a random draft, pros draft prospect that we don't know if it will pan out? The Suns, if they trade for the sixth pick, they're not using the pick. They're flipping that pick immediately to trade for someone else. Yeah. I don't see any reason that the Suns draft a player with the sixth overall pick with the roster that they have. If they plan on keeping Chris Paul especially, that would be like... Like, that doesn't fit at all. You'd have to draft, you'd have to get lucky and draft someone who can contribute immediately, which means you have to draft an older player, which is not worth using the sixth pick on. So I think if that does happen, I would love the Turner and uh, pick six return because you can, re like, obviously Turner's not the best rebounder, but he's still a very good player. He can stretch the floor. He's one of the best shot blockers in the league. So you replace DA with at least like a, like a, serviceable center he's is he top 10 is that fair i really don't know i wouldn't say i would say top 15 easily i don't know about top 10 well i mean yeah, yeah the point is that he's 15. he's actually like a good center but he's, he's good like is the point. he's Jamil. not like the worst thing it's not yeah exactly it's like my my thing with the trading da is just making sure that javel mcgee is not our starting center yeah so then but then you just flip that sixth pick and the suns have so many tradable contracts you have uh jay crowder's expiring you have a shamit extension who's going to kick in i don't know what kind of value shamit has i don't think anyone takes him i don't think james jones is even going to trade him actually he loves shamit campaign i think campaign might be gone campaign yeah. but yeah you can pat the, the suns can f find some package and trade some of these players or at least try to and try to get people who can contribute more. I'm not going to throw any names out there because I don't really Good want fan creating. bases coming for me, but... Uh, <laughs> we just need shot creating. That's it. That's my main concern. Yeah. Literally just another shot creator. is. That's like my biggest thing. We need less 3 and D players, more shot creators. Yeah. The Which 3 and D plan like works as long as they're not completely shutting down Chris Paul and Devin Booker, which is yeah. what Dallas did. Which is it works if you have Giannis or KD or something. Yeah. Or Luca. Like yeah, imagine Luka. if you yeah. had yeah. uh Mikel and Cameron on the wings, like that would yeah. be If Luca had Mikel and Cam Johnson, bro, oh my gosh. <laughs> if yeah. you give if you just switch like no cap, if you if you put 
take away Chris Paul or Devin Booker from the Suns and just have Luka as point and some random shooting guard, that team's probably, but and the rest of the roster is the same, that team's probably insane. Yeah. They're, they're winning the West. <laughs> but. but yeah, it's, uh, and I think the rude awakening that I don't think a lot of Suns fans have, have like, like uh, confronted yet is that maybe, just maybe, Devin Booker is not that good. Like, I know we were all pushing for the whole MVP thing, which we got, and I'm thrilled that we got it. Um, top 10 players probably pushing it at this point. Uh, yeah. I'd say, like, top 15. But if you have, if Devin Booker's your best player and your second best player is 37-year-old Chris Paul, that's a five seed, bro. Five seed, second round exit at best. If you run it back with the same team, you're looking at the same result, most likely. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yep. So, I mean, the Suns are just in such a bad spot right now. It's yeah, it's it's a terrible situation to be in right now. It's they, they fumbled it horribly. One thing I that... personally want to move Chris Paul. Oh yeah, yeah. To a team that to a team that like you know wants to make like a playoff push or something. And. Yeah, Westbrook. They need, like, they need well, some veteran. We've seen. They the, need some veteran help. We saw the Kings talk about that. They said that they wanted to trade the fourth pick um, for a win now player, win now veteran. Yeah, what, bro, we're gonna trade Chris Paul for the fourth pick. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. I saw it was. No use for Chris I saw Paul. The, yeah, they have. They didn't want to trade Aaron Fox last trade deadline. I I'll, t- I'll, right I'll take. I'll take Davion Mitchell. <laughs> Shoot. But, I mean, yeah. I'm still on the boat of what Flex said about the whole superstar thing. I'm not. I trust Flex. Flex doesn't. He he hasn't been wrong that often. Do you know who Flex is, Yosef? No clue. So he's like a he's a Suns like insider. I wouldn't say he's necessarily a reporter, but he's one of those guys that like has inside sources and drops news all the time. He's right about a lot of stuff. I would say about eighty percent uh, of the time. Yeah, he's uh he was right about Devin Booker coming back from his injury in the first round to play in game six against the Pelicans. That's just like the most recent one. But what Brandon is referring to he was right about the Chris Paul trade. Um what Brandon's referring to is a couple weeks ago, it was like right after game seven, he said uh that the Suns have a unique opportunity to trade for a superstar. And he said that it's like it's not like some like julius randall type he means like he said on a podcast it's like a genuine like league changing like superstar player i don't know how much like stock i'm putting into that because a lot there has to be a lot of like factors behind the scenes that have to change just for something for that to even be in consideration so that's that's not necessarily like i don't want to talk about that too much because it's like not super likely i'd say it's very hypothetical right now and it's just more something to keep in the back of your head yeah it's like oh that's like something that happened but yeah flex he's right like a majority of the time so that's just something that that's why i'm I'm gonna ride on the flex wave and just keep my hopes up until yeah man we're getting kd (laughs) until we trade for (laughs) until we trade for demontis sabonis then i'll yeah oh the thing the thing i'm scared about the most with the songs is that like if they because they're known to do this kind of stuff if they decide to just run it back with like addition of like Terrence Ross or something, and then just be like, okay, we got you a shot creator, and then same result again. That's what I'm scared of. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's a very, 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 very shitty situation for the Suns to be in right now, especially for a team that like is calling themselves a contender. So yeah, but. Let's let's uh let's move on. I'm sure we'll, we'll get enough of this talk on Twitter for the rest of the off season. Uh, yeah. And let's 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 talk more about the league, specifically the draft lottery. Um, Yosef, I know we've kind of had this talk with you before about who you want, but who do you want? Has it changed since the last time we talked? Owen Chet, and I like. Uh, I want him badly. If I'm going to be honest, like, <laughs> I've told myself we're getting him, and that's that. Like. So, I mean, I I really, I told the, like, OKC group chat this a few days ago. I was like, we could be talking about Keegan Murray right now, 
<laughs> and instead we're talking about one of the top three like i'm grateful for just the chance to have any of them um but i do think like especially with some of the reports coming out it seems pretty obvious that like chet wants to be i don't want to say wants to be an okc but like there seems to be a very obvious connection there between the two groups um who knows what ends up happening it could everything could just be a smoke screen especially with like the reports that orlando wants jabari at one um but like if you would have told me that two weeks ago that we're gonna get the number two pick and still get chet out have been like that would have been perfect thing yeah ever. like I, yeah. I it's it's perfect in my opinion it makes the whole like this whole past season very much worth it especially with all the people that like kept i sound like such a dick when i say this but like weeping on twitter about like what oklahoma city's doing is a disgrace to the game and blah 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 like this is how the rules are <laughs> this is the game you have to play it um and they're playing within the game they're playing within the rules um if you wanted to change that's a that's a league office type thing you know so yeah. like till then I have no problem with it. This is maximizing your chances at winning. And I mean, look, it, it ended up working out, right? Yeah. And I mean, like you said, you were supposed to get like the sixth pick. So you have to be thrilled yeah. just that you're getting like one of Paolo, Chet, or Jabari. Just you're going to get one of those three. So you have to be thrilled about that. No, exactly. And then like, you have a second lottery pick that you can use to trade up that a lot of like that's been the main topic of discussion amongst Thunder Twitter the past like month, I'd say. And so I'd say like that's the most exciting thing to me because I think there's like a hard fall around four, 13 and 14. So the difference between getting the 16th pick and the 12th pick was huge. And so like watching the Clippers just completely self-destruct kind of in the playing games was very much a joy to watch. Um, like it the whole year we had been rooting like all these we weren't rooting for injuries but all these injuries happened and you're like there's no way they're going to keep winning games and they kept winning games <laughs> somehow and kept winning games and then like right when you give up hope they somehow lose these two playing games so like beforehand i probably would have picked them to win both of them um so that was very much a sigh of relief right there it reminds me of 2019 it's like complete opposite we were the whole offseason, we're like, okay, we're for sure getting Ja, Zion, or RJ Barrett. And then, oh my God. Turns out we get Cam Ja. We fall all, we're the worst team in the league. And we fall all the way to like, what, 10 or 9? Something. No, we like fell that. to 6. And then we traded back to 10 for Cam Johnson. Dude, I literally. <laughs> wasn't it you? Wasn't it you? We talked about this before where I was yeah, like, I, I was <laughs> so ready to get Ja. Yeah, I was so ready. I had the jersey swaps. I had like, dude, <laughs> on draft night, I was ready to order that John Morant Suns jersey. Yeah, and then we yeah. dropped to six. See, that's the lesson I learned last year. Was that none of this is guaranteed. I spent maybe all season last year. I was on Tankathon every day. I was spinning this, spinning <laughs> it every day. This past year, until we got the Clippers pick, I maybe touched Tankathon once a month, like. Last lottery very much like made me depressed the whole year. I'm like, oh, we're getting Cade, we're getting Evan Mobley, we're getting somebody, you know. And then bam, yeah. you fall to six, and it's like, oh, the whole world is falling, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that very much like changed my approach to it. And it's that's that like, expectations again, right? Yeah, ex expectations just set you up for heartbreak, is what I've learned. That and hope. What's that clip from like? Uh, I forgot what movie it is, but I used it all up to this like draft lottery. It's this guy's like hope will like drive a man insane, and like that's exactly <laughs> how I felt. Um, yep. So like I went into the draft lottery with like expectation that we were gonna fall, because I was like, if you have the expectation that you're gonna go up, it's just gonna be a very much a depressing few months. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what um, I said on the last podcast, Isaac, when it was just me and you. I think I said the Suns were a lot more enjoyable to just watch when we were losing so much because there was no expectation. I didn't expect anything. Like, I kind of expected them to lose, if anything. So yeah. it just made it a lot more enjoyable and less stressful to watch. Or just be Precisely. a fan in general. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the draft order here, and there's something on here that scares the absolute shit out of me, and it's that the Pelicans have the eighth pick. This, the the Pelicans right now are in like almost the exact same situation the Suns were after uh, the bubble, where 
it's you have um a very good team who just i mean the suns didn't make the playoffs but we were one game out so whatever we were basically the eight seed that season yeah pelicans were the eight seed put up a great fight they have an amazing roster they weren't even healthy they still have haven't seen them with zion and now they're about to go in and either add a lottery pick or maybe trade that pick for like more contributors the pelicans man like i won't be shocked if they're like a top four seed next season if everything goes That's right what I was for them. Say. Yep. it will not surprise me at all it all comes down to zion it all like, comes down think, to zion i think zion not playing like choosing not to play not like not being injured but like saying like i don't want to play in new orleans like i think that's like catastrophic for the league because like new orleans like yes they've done they've effed up a lot of things but like as of late the last year they've done a lot of things right like i don't see any reason why zion wouldn't want to play with that team like they very much have put out a product out that like once he comes back they'll succeed so like having a guy that's only in his what's going to be his fourth year just be like i don't want to play here ship me off to wherever <laughs> like that's going to be like very much like a dangerous thing for the league and like something they'll look at at the next cba and it's like especially for like small to mid-tier markets it's just gonna be like at this point it's gonna be like almost like european soccer like what's the whole point right what being a small club and trying to compete it's it's going to be even more difficult and it's it's kind of annoying because like whenever you look at like the nfl like how often do we hear about a guy just wanted to be in a big market in the NFL, right? Like it's yeah. not, especially yeah. fans. Like I've NBA fans are so obsessed with like market size. It's it, I find it so like interesting and weird at the same time. Yeah, like, you're not the one in that market, my guy. You're not yeah. going to be the one in LA. Like why? Why do you care, right? So it's just one of those things where it's like, if if we know that like for everyone winning isn't the main goal and i'm not saying that's not it for zion because i'm sure he wouldn't love to be in new york and win a lot of basketball games but it's like there's they're gonna have to eventually do something where like mid to small markets can't compare if like a guy like zion is just like you know what this team has done everything right but i'm good i don't want to be here and i have only played four what 50 games in the or like 70 games in three years like that's a worrisome thing mm -hmm. So. It's crazy how, like, does Zion, let's say he, like, doesn't play for the Pelicans again. Like, worst case scenario for them, he doesn't play for them again. Does that make him a bust for the Pelicans? Like, a draft bust? I want to say no. It just makes it, like, something just unprecedented, something we've never seen before. It doesn't make him a but, bust. But but it makes, makes the Pelicans the pick a bust. look bad. It it if I was the Pelicans, I'd be more frustrated. Like if you because this these rumors have been going on for years before the even the draft lottery happened that year. That like he wants to be in New York. So mm -hmm. it's just like one of those things where you're like you're kind of pissed, and it's just like pull you should have pulled like an Eli Manning or something. Like if you knew from day one that that's what you wanted and that's what you had your eyes set on, because now it makes it like I'm sure someone will sell the house for him. But it also puts the Pels in a difficult situation of how can we maximize this asset that we know if the asset plays and is healthy, it's a really good asset. But since he hasn't played and it's been these injuries, it's like there's going to be a lot of people that are going to try to buy low. And it, like, it puts them in this really difficult position that like it, it, it could very much be a shit show. Like I don't want to say it's similar to the Ben Simmons situation because that one was like peak toxicity. And was just overall annoying, but like it very much could be like a scenario where here's a guy who has Hall of Fame potential, All NBA last year when he played, and you're getting minimal assets in return for him. Yeah, the best case scenario for both sides would be for him to just play uh, in New Orleans and you know tr uh, be somewhat as close as he was before he got hurt. Because then, even if he still doesn't want to stay there, his uh, his value has gone up. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, he should literally just play. <laughs> yeah, like just play, and then if you want to leave after next season, then go ahead. But I hate this, I hate this trend of players uh, demanding trades like out of nowhere with seemingly like zero leverage or any reason behind it. It's young happening players, a lot in uh, especially young players. Like it happened, like uh, like. I don't know. I just don't like it. Like, obviously, who am I to be like 
I mean, if I'm Zion, it's like, and I know that I'm perceived as one of the like best young talents, like potentially one of the best players in the league, depending who you ask. Um, if I'm Zion, I'm like, yeah, I feel like I should be able to get whatever I want. But at the same time, it's like, like we have contracts and stuff like for a reason. Right. And it's this, it's the whole, like it happened. I'm a Seahawks fan. It happened with Earl Thomas, like a few years ago where he, like he, they hold out their contracts. It's like, I get it, but at the same time, like, I don't. Like, just play out the contract and then leave when it's over. I don't under, I hate this whole trend of where they'll sign, a, like, a four-year contract, and then halfway through, they're just like, I'm done. Either, like, I don't know, man. I don't know. And the big I don't thing wanna... with Zion is that the Pelicans, you could tell, they're trying very hard to build a good team around them, and they're pretty successful with it. Because you know, I think teams even don't with... do that for their stars. Yeah, yeah. I think without, even without Zion, they're still, like, a, like with a full season of CJ, there will be like a six seed, probably a little bit higher, maybe. So it's like, uh, he should be, you know, he should be pretty thankful. He should try to play with them because they they're trying their hardest, and they even got a coach like Willie Green, one of the best, you know, one of the best coaches, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, the New Orleans, they did everything right, like you said, yo. Yeah. So they did everything right. They just need Zion to just decide to play. <laughs> And they're they're going to be really good. It's it's just one of those situations. Like, I think the Ben Simmons situation was the first time we've seen someone with like three to four years left on their contract just be like, you know, like. And I think the Ben situation had like a lot of other stuff going on with it that wasn't just like, oh, I don't want to be here anymore. Like the mental health stuff, and then like stuff that the coaches were saying and the teammates were saying. You know, it just became kind of like a the the seventy sixers were on like a character assassination tour. You know, like it was, it was something like that. It's like I understand that, but it's just like, what is that like start for everyone else? You know, I think that's my biggest thing. Like when people are like, oh well, Shay's gonna want to ask out in a few years. Shay has five years left on his contract. Like, he won't have real leverage for like three years from now. You know, but like this whole this this thing of like players just choosing not to play, which we haven't seen in the NBA until this past year. That is where, like, guys who have, like, four to five years, like, they just signed this, the big Supermax contract or they just signed the max extension to get the most money, play maybe half a year, and then say, all right, I'm good. Like, that, They're literally just trying to rob teams at this point. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't blame them. Like, I, I get it. I see every side of the argument, you know, like, okay, teams can trade players at any time without any warning. So, like, the players 100%, like, they deserve, like, as much type of empowerment as they want as well. But, like, those are just rules and stuff that, like, that they're going to have to figure out in the CBA. And, like, thank God that's not my job because it's going to be a difficult one to get, like, <laughs> the NBA to agree to it and the Players Association. Like, the next CBA, I'm very confident we'll see a lockout. Like, there's, I will be shocked if we don't. Yeah, it's a very, like... Like you said, it's kind of unprecedented. We've never really seen anything like this before. You saw it with uh, with Kyrie. I mean, Kyrie is a that's a that's a completely different. Like, yeah. <laughs> you could argue that. I mean, and it's. I think my stance is that, like, he chose not to play. And you have the people who are like, oh, like, it's his beliefs. It's the whole like vaccine thing. Like, it's in his beliefs or whatever. But he like. It's a very it was a very active choice from him to not get it and not play. Like he could have just gotten it and played. So I think that was a very active choice from him. But at the same time you had like if you had those people who were like, oh, it's his beliefs, and if if Kyrie is someone like that, I mean obviously like nobody knows what Kyrie's really thinking, but like if you have these players who are like, oh, it's literally like in my like beliefs, like my religion or whatever, then like what are you gonna do? You know? Because you also, you can't be, like, oppressive or, you know, like, so it's just all, it's all fucked. <laughs> yeah. It's a perfect way to describe it. It's just, it's all fucked. <laughs> exactly. It makes you, it makes you, it, it makes you appreciate players like Devin Booker even more. And Shea, even, like, who, for just, like, sticking around and just playing. Dame, Dame like, Exactly. Like I like I love Devin Booker. Even if he's not even if he doesn't end up being like as good as we want him or as we expect him to be, I still love the shit out of Devin Booker for sticking around and trying to build this thing up with us instead of just like instead of like deciding that there was no future and leaving. 
Yeah, that's what makes it so special, though, right? Is like when they stick around. Like I saw a quote; it was a video of Buck post game uh, from years ago. It was like after they've won like twenty games and they're like fifty something losses, and he's like, "There's something. It's gonna be. There's gonna be something beautiful about it, though, in a few years." And like he was a hundred percent right. Like there was, there was something very cool of seeing that like meteoric rise and like everyone starts praising the team and starts giving them the respect and just making that playoff run. Like we live, I think we live in a society, and this goes for fans especially, where we want instant, everything instantly. You know, like we, instant gratification. Thunder, yeah, look at Thunder fans. We've been in I O. I have to like, I'll type this out every time someone like replies my mention. Like, what's the plan to lose again next year? And it's like, guys, like we made the playoffs for a decade plus. Like franchises, <laughs> every franchise goes through this. If you think a rebuild is going to be two years then you're living in a false reality. Like, this isn't college sports. This isn't Oklahoma or Oklahoma State football where every year you just reload and you're good to go again for the next season. That's not how professional sports work. Like, we could very well be the kings right now, you know? Like, it, <laughs> it, like and people will be like, oh, ticket sales, this and that. Like, teams make the most money when they're losing. You have the lowest payroll. You, you get the percentage cut from the nba's revenue like you're making a lot of money whenever you're losing that's why like you see some owners who like don't actually care about winning like there's a reason they don't fully care their pockets aren't hurting when they're not winning i think a lot of people are like under the assumption that every like the teams that are bad like their owners are losing money like no their owners are making lots of good money (laughs) the time they bought the team it's an appreciating asset it's not depreciating like you're you're set so it's just one of those things where like I, I very much, like, support guys who stay. Like, I do think, like, the Dame part has kind of gotten, like, overplayed slash corny where he has to remind us every week that he's not leaving. Yeah. <laughs> um, but other than that, like, there's there's a level of, like, I appreciate guys. Like, I, I see, like, a lot of guys right now, like, a decent amount of young guys in the league that's just, like, I couldn't imagine that dude leaving, that dude leaving anytime soon, which is pretty cool. Um then, like, you get random guys. Like, I didn't think Zach Levine had a chance of leaving ball, uh, Chicago until, like, a week and a half ago. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, this is a real possibility. And that just became even more interesting. What do you guys think will happen in Utah with Mitchell and Gobert? I think they're going to pull a Utah Jazz and run it back. <laughs> 100%. They're, they're 100% running it back. Right. Unless, like, I Rudy asks out. I could see Rudy going to like being traded, but other than that, like, yeah, they're running it back, which is like, uh, see, like, I would much rather be like, I would much rather be losing right now than be Utah. Because then it's like the, it's like the Trailblazers where they run it back with the same team every time with like a couple of new role players, lose every single time. And then exactly back to the bottom. Pick one. You lie to yourself. Yes. Yeah. Pick one team to be a fan. If you could pick, you have to pick between these two teams to be a fan of, Utah Jazz or the Sacramento Kings. Kings. Okay. Okay. I would rather be a Utah Jazz fan. <laughs> that... <laughs> I'll be a Kings fan. Which leads I me follow... to my next question: Are the Kings the worst like franchise, or one of the worst franchises in sports to be a fan of right now? Hundred percent. And it's yeah. not even like, and I don't mean that in disrespect to the franchise. It's solely their owner. Like, it, he just made his daughter without zero experience, really, the general manager of the G League team. Like, that's <laughs> mind blowing. Like, teams are using G League is being used more than ever now for development. You're a young, bad team. You want to use the G League. You want to maximize everyone there. Like the fact that nepotism strikes again right there, then. Everything else he does where he has to have a say in the decisions the team makes. He doesn't let the basketball people make basketball decisions is why the Kings are the Kings right now. And it's like, I feel so bad for that franchise, like the fan base. Like I just, yeah. I, I saw a report the other day that was like the Thunder open. It was a BS report, but it was like the Thunder open, tra- open to trading Shea for the number four pick. And I was like, if some idiotic thing like that happens, I, <laughs> like I've been through dumps with this team but that might be like my breaking point <laughs> kings have had like 10 of those moments yeah it's like the, they had one the this season think... they just traded halliburton for like no reason <laughs> it, it, the right? reason i say i would be a kings fan over a jazz is because i just the feeling of your team going from the bottom to the top is just like unmatched 
And I want to experience Dude, that. If you're a Kings fan, <laughs> you're at the bottom forever. Yeah, do you think it's not getting be better. Hey, are you saying? Were you saying like for your, for my whole life, or are you saying like starting now? I'm just saying if you had to like switch teams, but and you had to pick between those two. Oh yeah, Kings then. Because it's just like, dude, the Kings, they had the longest playoff drought in the league right now, right? Like 16 yeah. years. The yeah, last time they were in the playoffs, I was three years old. <laughs> like, uh, and I don't even know. Half of the, like, most of the league was not even in the league the last time they made the playoffs. It's insane. I've never yeah. seen anything. I've never seen this, like, bad of a mishandling of a franchise before. In my, in my short, like, 19 and a half years of life. I've never seen anything like this bad. It's it's pretty crazy to see, but yeah. What what was the Halliburton trade? What was that? Bonus. A bonus. <laughs> like why? What was the purpose? That I guess literally it's just didn't... better fit. It's just better. Fit. It didn't make either I mean, they, team I think better. Really though. Like I think they really like Davion Mitchell with Deer and Fox, but it's like, I, I yeah, think... I, I know I know what you're saying. Halliburton is gonna be. One of the best. He's already is one of the best passers. He's gonna be like top point guard soon. Halliburton's gonna be better than Fox shortly, I think. I don't think it's gonna be that long either. It's probably gonna be like two or three years. Maybe they have I don't some know. good I building. See that. They have some good building blocks though, going into the future. But they they can't mishandle all these draft picks and draft another guard again or whatever they do. Yeah, that was a fun uh, King's little dunk <laughs> session right there. Uh, do we want to... I'm going to pull up the uh, free agency class. I haven't actually looked at it yet. Are, are there any, like, big free agents? Zach. Yeah, Zach. Zach Levine. I think he's the biggest unrestricted. Is he a Laker? <laughs> I heard he's not... Trade? I heard it's, like, not a big thing that he's, not, like, he might not go back to Chicago. Yeah. Oh, it's really realistic chance, I think. Like, I like the Spurs. You like the Spurs? I like his fit with the Spurs. I think a Spurs is realistic. I think Portland I like is realistic. He fits, he fits pretty good, too. It'll be interesting. I Portland is, is super interesting to me, too. I think I have a realistic for him. I have a friend who's a Blazers fan, and he keeps me like updated on what they're like doing their apparently their plan before the lottery was to keep their team like together and get a top three pick and try to try to win with dame and like simons and the top three pick and i think they wanted paolo that was their plan their plan was to try and win a championship with that roster that was the that was what they wanted to do and i'm like well, first of all, there's no way you're, there's no way Portland is getting a top three pick. It's not happening. I could have told you that from the beginning. They're not getting a top three pick. But also, like, isn't the best move for Portland and for Lillard at this point is to part ways? Hundred percent. It's yeah, been. I mean, their plan is to their plan is to try and build around Dame, but it's like, what assets do you have? Nothing. They have nothing. Yeah. Simons is their best asset. They have Simons and Josh Hart and Yusuf Nurkic. It's like you're not winning anything with that team. But they're they they have the Seahawks syndrome where they refuse to rebuild. <laughs> it, it it's not a coincidence that both of those teams are under the same ownership too. Um, they refuse to rebuild. Damian Lillard is the Russell Wilson of the of the NBA. Hopefully he gets traded too, too. Like hopefully soon. I want to see that. I do not want to see Dame in a Portland jersey anymore. I I like Dame a lot, but like it's just the whole persona thing right now about not leaving and like it's just it's become beyond corny to me. Yeah, like I agree. I, I, it's like I I hope Trailblazer fans don't listen to this, but um, it's like what's he gonna rap about though if he gets traded? Like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, I get it, Dame, I get it, but, like, eventually you reach a point. It's like, we reached a point with Russ eventually, where it's like, this isn't, like, could you imagine if Oklahoma City tried running it back with Russ after PG got traded? Like, that would have been... Yeah. Like, you, you ended off on a note where both sides are so happy and you still love each other and it's not ugly. 
yeah. the more you keep going and going and going, it, it there's a very good chance you hit a mark where like it, it's an ugly breakup, and it's just like you don't ever want to see something like that. Um, but like I also think like at this point of Dame's career, where like if he's still trying to stay, I mean, it this is it's now or never almost like maybe one more year. But after that, if you choose to stay, then like you've you've locked yourself in, brother. Like you're you're finishing. You should just finish your career there. And I wish he would just say that he just wants to. Like I, he should just say that his goal is to just play for the same team his whole career. That would be fine. That's a perfectly fine thing. But like, it's awesome. It's the it's the it's the loyalty and like building a championship team like with loyal like that's a bit much. Like you're you're stop talking about it. It's clearly not going to happen. And now I, I it's like just he, I feel like he does want to leave, but he just built that persona around him that he's loyal, yeah. like he's very loyal. It's, at this point, he can't do anything about it now. Yeah, and he's probably clowned. he's pretty he's he's a uh, definitely someone who likes to protect his reputation. But I don't think he realized that. I don't think any NBA fans. I bet most Portland fans don't care anymore. Like we want you to go. I don't think. Yeah. See, I think they anymore. want him to stay. I think they like I and I don't blame them for one like because if you look at how Wizards fans are with Beal, they do not rock with Beal like that. Like they, from like the spaces I've joined, they're ready to let that man go. <laughs> it's like there's been so much what feels like malpractice by like the Trailblazers FO. Like it's it's been difficult, and in terms of just like non-maximizing assets in return, it's. Just, I'm under the assumption, I've always been under the assumption that like it's incredibly hard to build a team with a lead guard. Undersized lead guard that is very deficient on defense. Yes. You know, and uh, it's just one of those things like Steph Curry is the exception to the rule because there were two other all-stars there. They had an all-time great role players. It, it, the, when was the last time, you know, like that a point guard was the best player on a championship team? Like complete, they come. He completely led the team. Isaiah Thomas, like probably. It, it, it's been a while, and so it's just. Uh, I guess Chauncey Billups, I, if you want to count the 2004 say, Pistons. I was going to say the Pistons, Chauncey Billups, but. I'm but I don't know. I think. Are we ready to put so, Chauncey Billups in the same incredible. conversation as Steph? <laughs> but like that team was incredible, like in terms of the defensive players, like. It, I just maybe it's not impossible to win with the league, but it sure does make your team building have to be like even more perfect. Yeah. Same with like even with like any like any perimeter player, even really, especially ones that rely on shooting. You look at uh, if you just look at who's like been in the like who's been even in the final four, but mostly like the finals. It's LeBron always. Um. And the only time that those like perimeter players, other than LeBron, that got in, it's like when Curry and Kevin Durant teamed up, <laughs> is when they finally were yeah. able to do it. Kevin Durant like did it one time by himself. Um, Curry did it one time by himself, uh, but that was with like an amazing team when he won MVP and they had one of the best rosters in the game, like. But, yeah, but if you look, yeah. it's so much easier. And it, it amazes me when teams like um, uh, the Nuggets and the Sixers keep like fumbling, like building around Jokic and Embiid, because it should be so much easier, really. But they, it just keeps not working for some reason. Because yeah, like when you have like a guard like that, that's when you're relying on them to shoot, they're more, more than likely to have a couple slumps in the playoffs. And it just that, that's your that's it right there. If you have someone that's more dominant, they're gonna get their points, you know. They're gonna they're gonna be able to do what they do. But it's like you know, like we saw with Booker, Mitchell did it. Uh, Levine had a bad playoffs. James Harden did it for years. It's like that's just how it is. Exactly. It's, it feels like a very much a, a wing driven league right now. Like you yeah. have to have really good wings, and if you don't. You'll be like Utah, who's like the worst point of attack defense defensive team in the league, and it's not even close. Yet they right. have a generational defensive anchor down low. Like you have to have wings. For sure. Um, all right. We've been uh Brandon, you see how long we've been going for? Is it telling you there? No, I have, I don't have it pulled up. I can All right, it's probably been like about an hour yeah, or so, I'd say. Over an hour, I think. 
Um, is there anything else we kind of want to cover? I mean, there's not really many good free agents, so it's not like we can talk about like big, like league changing uh, free agency just, decisions. Just different role players for different teams. Uh, we can talk about Levine some other time when more news comes out about that. But I don't know how much, like how much. I don't know how much Zach Levine like moves the needle. Really, it depends on which team he goes to. I don't yeah. think he moves the needle for for many teams. Honestly, he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> and we're and we're getting contradicting reports where it's like, so I just saw a report today that the Bulls want to resign him. Then I saw another report saying that he wants to leave. It's like, well, I'm sure the Bulls want to resign him, but he's unrestricted. I mean, so it uh, matter uh, what they yeah, want. Uh, he's. They're saying he's ready to come back or something. I don't know. There's so many different reports coming out. We don't know any like. Yeah. real news yet with it yeah uh all right let's uh we can wrap it up now we'll uh we'll, we'll finish up here uh good talks um thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Leona ball podcast uh follow us on all social media you can find me on on twitter and tiktok now i'm posting tiktoks guys uh <laughs> at mikhail bridge um arian you want to plug anything yeah, my Twitter is uh, ArianS19. Uh, Brandon? My Twitter is just Brandon Adler, first last name. Yosef, anything you want to plug? <laughs> uh, you can follow me at Thunder Film Room. Uh, Going to start like broadening out my content pretty soon. So just covering all teams pretty much. Hell yeah, I love it. All right. Um, yeah, that's about it. We'll uh, thank you so much again for listening to this episode, and we'll catch you guys next time. Peace.